You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Stuff is going down. Free agency rolling. Live updates. It never ends. And Yankee fans are glued to the edge of their seats to watch Brian Cashman paint a house very slowly we ain't doing anything but people are coming off the board so if you're a yankee fan staying up all night to see who we get go to sleep get some rest if you're a yankee fan who wants to watch the world burn make sure to stay with us because people are dropping like flies and the lockout is december 1st so the motion is activated max scherzer Corey seager javier baez some done some en route to being done nobody gonna be a yankee folks make sure to find us on apple podcasts Google Podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. Join us live on YouTube, 2 p.m. Eastern Mondays and Thursdays for these streams. We're going to be streaming on Twitter most of the time, too. What a week. What a day. What a time to be live. Thomas Carinante, Steve Cohen was really embarrassing the last time we did a podcast. Then he did sign everybody like he promised to 12 months ago. The Mets are fully engaged. That's great. I'm not scared of them. I'm just sad that we're not them. I'm happy for them. Mets, come on. Thanksgiving weekend, everyone enjoying their holiday, hopefully. And then you come back and this is the news you're getting. They signed uh, what Marte was over the weekend. Um, yeah, Marte so, late yeah. night, Saturday. Uh, yeah. Eduardo Escobar, Mark a Hanna. Stuff. Bunch I of people Yankees were never going to sign, but like yeah. all smart and culminated today. Yeah, those. that's the kind of stuff that you want from your general manager and owner. Um, I don't know. Once again, I don't know what the Yankees are doing. I'm never going to really understand what they're doing. Um, Max Scherzer. I understand that's a steep price. 
Um, what are the reported terms of this? Three years, 129 million. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, and once again, you're paying for age 37, 38, and 39 seasons or 38, 39, 40 seasons. Um, but that's what teams who are trying to win do and teams that have money do. Um, players cost a lot, uh, especially premium ones who are going to give you the World Series push. Um, Mets are finally in that mode, which I, I love because, hey, we got one. We got the richest owner in the sport in in this city. And last offseason was a little bit of a bummer, um, but it was coming off the covid year. Um, he did sign Francisco Lindor to that huge deal. Um, so perhaps he was getting a little bit more flack than he deserved because there was a lot of guys coming off the books. Nonetheless, um, happy for the Mets, happy for their fans. Uh, this is not a Mets podcast, but I am questioning what the other team in New York is doing uh, because there's no traction with the Yankees anywhere. Um, it seems to be said they're out on Corey Seager, who the Rangers continue to pursue heavily. Um, and look, if we're to judge anything by the early reports so far, the early reports have kind of been accurate. I know sometimes we're going through um, the buzz on Twitter um, and we're looking through all these tweets and it's a lot of BS. It's a lot of just people, uh, you know, grasping for straws, but the Scherzer stuff has been in lockstep with everything that's happened so far. Uh, the Rangers were speculated on Simeon that ended up happening. Um, and now we have Seager who it seems like it's down to the Rangers and giant, uh, Rangers and Dodgers. Um, and I, I really don't know what to think. What, what are the Yankees going to do? They, they, they need to get something done before December 1st. That's all I'm going to say. I don't care if it's a huge signing. I don't care if it's a trade, but based on the action we're seeing across the league, something, something needs to happen because you have a team like the Rangers who are really bad and they're actively trying to get better. That ups the competition in the AL. Now you don't have a bottom feeder like the Rangers to beat up on theoretically as bad as you would uh, last year. So don't know what the Yankees are doing. Don't know if Brian Cashman's still in that sleeping bag on the side of the road trying to raise awareness for uh, for homelessness, but someone's got to wake up. Someone's got to spend money. Someone's got to make a phone call. Let's talk about the shortstops first just because it's slightly less trending at the moment because Max Scherzer is dominating the discourse, and this could all change in a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. We could be absolutely at, you know, at, at death's door with regard to the shortstop stuff. But uh, so the, the hope for the Yankees in obtaining a top shortstop on Monday or Tuesday or pre-deadline lockout seems to now rest in either Trevor Story's hands or Carlos Correa's hands. Now, I don't even want to mention Correa because that's just, it's not happening. And I, in fact, the most visceral reaction I got from reading Twitter all day today was in the comments of a tweet about Corey Seager preferring the Rangers, someone being like, the Yankees better pivot to Correa. And I couldn't even resist. I I like instinctually was like, I mean, you're out of your mind. If you think the Yankees are pivoting, if the Yankees don't get Seager and they pivot to Correa, like I'll (laughs) eat corduroy pants. There's no, there's no. (laughs) So like, I just instinctively had to call somebody stupid. It's the first time I've done that in a while. I was like, if yes. Oh yeah. The Yankees are out on Seager, but they're in on Correa. You genius. There's just no way. So if they're souring on Seager, the Seager stuff, uh, a lot of people said the Rangers were, you know, they were in for weeks and then they were out on Sunday when they got Semyon. And then uh, all of a sudden, a couple hours later, it was like, did everybody forget that Semyon's a, a second baseman maybe by trade and that you could technically sign both of them if you were a team that's not very good, like the Texas Rangers, mm-hmm. who has needs at second and short. And technically, you can make a need at third. You can move somebody. You could do a lot of things. The Texas Rangers are very incomplete. So them signing Marcus Semyon only precludes Corey Seager if they have a budget. It appears they don't have a budget. 
there was a lot of talk about uh, Trevor's story in the Rangers earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both Seager and story have been connected to the Rangers. Not shocking. Uh, They're not getting three of the elite shortstops. They are not getting three of the five men. That is not something they're going to be doing, but they could easily get two and easily has now turned into reality. I would say that the, the Dodgers have Trey Turner in lockstep. The Dodgers have Gavin Lux. I think Corey Seager is a better player than Gavin Lux. I don't think that's controversial. Uh, if I am the Dodgers, I try to sign. If the Dodgers are in a similar place to the Yankees right now, if they let Seager go because, uh, you know, th- then they're essentially handing the keys to the car to Gavin Lux, who's just also a super question mark. We, we don't really know. Much. And he drive. I don't know. No, we don't know much about that person. <laughs> um, but, you know, if the Dodgers hand over the keys to Gavin Lux. It's not exactly the same as us being like Anthony Volpe is the 2024 starting shortstop, but it's kind of similar. You're a contender yeah. and you're downgrading. You're choosing to downgrade because of you believe in your future. And that's great. But you're downgrading in the here and now. The Dodgers just downgraded in a big way, losing Max Scherzer. So they're in dire circumstances, too. So Rangers are making a big old push for Corey Seager. That's the latest per John Heyman six minutes ago. We'll continue updating as this goes in case something in case the dominoes drop, because in a week like this, the dominoes could drop at any moment. Right now, the Rangers are making the push for Seager. They're stealing the headlines in much the same way that the Mets did yesterday when it went from their one of the final four for Scherzer to it looks kind of like they're going to sign Max Scherzer to a crazy amount of money. Rangers yeah. making the push. The Dodgers love Seager, but they, they, you know, they're mentioning the plan B and Trey Turner here, which makes me kind of feel as if the Rangers are the front runner. Now, it's pretty embarrassing if the Yankees are not going to get in the conversation for Seager. We were told a couple days ago they wouldn't. We didn't want to believe it. And now things are rumbling in the direction of Texas. They could end up with two of these lottery tickets. Now, so Thomas, what does this mean to you if the Yankees aren't in on Seager at all? And is Trevor's story, now that he is going to be squeezed out of Texas, suddenly more of a possibility for the Yankees, or do you still think they're lurking in no man's land? Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, Jim Bowden just tweeted as well. Um, he said it's, he, it's hard to believe Seager won't get at least 10 years because Simeon just got seven at the age of 31. Um, and he said he's not sure the Dodgers are willing to go 10, but he also would not be surprised if the Yankees swooped in. However, it's okay. late. So a lot of stuff there to digest, but also in lockstep with kind of what Heyman's saying, looks like the Dodgers are kind of de-emphasizing themselves here for reasons unknown. Uh, well, not reasons unknown. They have Trey Turner. They don't have to spend this money if they don't want to, and they can go elsewhere. Then again, though, you're kind of asking yourself, why didn't they just pay that money for Scherzer if that's the direction they wanted to go in? Um, anyway, I, uh, I, I don't know what the Yankees are doing here. The fact that they're not that, that the biggest thing that's bothering me throughout this entire free agency is that the Yankees aren't mentioned in anything. I don't care. No. I mean, I, I, I do care if they don't sign people, but the fact that they're not even being mentioned, they weren't mentioned as a finalist for Scherzer. I, I got to get somebody on the phone to just understand why I, I don't know why the Yankees are going to cut payroll in the form of trade soon. They're going to non-tender people, which the deadline is tomorrow, I believe. Mm-hmm. It, got, so, it got changed with the lockout approaching. Yeah. So um, money is going to come off the books. Is it going to be as much money as they had hoped for if they wanted to sign a couple of marquee guys? No. But once again, what did we, we reset the tax for the last two years? Why did we have all of this? 
why did Brian Cashman talk about needing a shortstop heading into an offseason where you were going to get the greatest shortstop class of our lifetime in free agency? Um, do, do I think that they're in on story? Um, I really have no idea. What, what I'm feeling at this moment is that they're confident in their prospects for whatever reason, because everybody is an unproven commodity until they hit the MLB level. It doesn't matter how good you're playing in the minors. And as we talked about a million times on this podcast and just in general on yanksyard.com, Anthony Volpe was bad two years ago, and then he missed 2020. He had a very bad 2019 debut season, which was only partial because he was drafted that year, right? He was drafted in 2019. Yep. Um, bad year at his first uh, cup of coffee at the professional level, 2020 canceled. Then he comes roaring back in 2021. Great for the kid. That's awesome. Stock going up. P- trajectory, promising. Looks good. Future starting shortstop of the New York Yankees and the next generational talent. Nobody knows that. You don't know that. You and I know just as much as Brian Cashman knows in that regard, because there is no way to tell that that is going to be your guy. He's at high A. That is not advanced enough in the lower levels of the minors to get a gauge on anybody. Um, So that's the part that concerns me. But if we are looking at this through through an investment lens, a 10-year deal might be might be uh, dissuading the Yankees given all of the other commitments that they have, plus a judge extension, which has been talked about a lot among talking heads. Uh, Aaron Boone was just on the R2C2 podcast with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco talking about it. Um, CC gave his endorsement for judge. So you're staring down the barrel of another, what, seven to nine year contract with judge and the Yankees are going to probably, if, if that happens, then you have three guys under contracts of seven or more years. Um, so that's why story could be that one year, that one year giant contract we were talking about or two years, depending on what they're doing. Then again, though, I'm just going to keep contradicting myself. Why did they not pay that money for Max Scherzer? Then if they're looking for short-term deals to maximize this window or to just not have onerous financial commitments for the next decade. Why paying Max Scherzer a hundred million for two years? Why is that not under consideration? Why? Why? It, it, so that makes me think. Why are you then going to pay Trevor Story, you know, fifty million over two years or thirty million for one year? If clearly you're not interested in really anything, unless they come out, unless they come out of the woodwork, you know, unless it's like one of those one of those old school WWF Raws, Raw episodes where someone just running out of the crowd, the music comes out, you don't know what's happening, and then someone gets hit in the back of the head with a chair. Unless it's one of those situations, then great, but the Yankees don't usually do that. The Yankees are usually just mentioned as one of the highest bidders, and then they're, they either do it or they don't. Now we're not hearing anything. So I have no idea what's going on. I don't know if this inclines them to do other things, and but the Scherzer behavior certainly has me feeling very pessimistic about what's to come. Yeah, I have no idea why they were leaked as a... And before you tell me the difference in, in money, I, I do understand there's a difference between 25 and $40 million. But they're, they're, you're telling me they're totally willing to go to 25 one year for Justin Verlander. They'd consider yeah. 30. They'd consider, you know, great, interesting. Scherzer is much more of a sure thing at this point. Although, again, there's a chance both men could be top 10 starting pitchers in baseball next year. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't shock me. I wouldn't bat an eye. But, you know, Scherzer, what, three? It took three years and an absolute overload of money to get him. And I understand that. 
you know, money is, you know, what it takes money. You're looking at a pile of money and you're going, oh man, 42 million. He blew Garrett Cole's AAV out of the water and that's great, but only for three years. You probably know Progressive Insurance for insuring your home and auto. You may know Flo and Dr. Rick, but what you may not know is that Progressive helps employees support over 3,800 charitable organizations annually because we're committed to helping our employees and our employees are committed to helping others. Anyway, we just wanted to share. We were a little too proud of it to keep it to ourselves. And if you already knew all of this about us, you've either heard this radio spot before or just randomly know a lot about Progressive. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates based on data from May 2020 through April 2021. I would even be satisfied if I heard some BS saying the Yankees were willing to go two years for Scherzer or something. Mm -hmm. In the same way I was briefly placating when I heard, oh, they'll do 25 mil one year for Verlander. I just don't understand the world in which they're willing to do that for Verlander and aren't even willing to entertain it for Scherzer. Now, a lot of people told us that Max Scherzer didn't want New York, that he didn't want to come play here, yeah. that he wouldn't entertain us at the trade deadline. He vetoed the Yankees on a no-trade list. He ended up in California. That's great. He finishes the half season in California, and all of a sudden, it's Scherzer wants to – people are leaking that he wants to play on the East Coast near a you know Jupiter, Florida home he has near the spring training complexes. That's the polar opposite we heard last summer. Suddenly he's out on the West, in on the East, and it's all, was this all just a smokescreen to protect us from, you know, the fact that Hal Steinmetter doesn't want to spend the Max Scherzer money? We're a, bunch of just, we're a bunch of people just leaking that he only wanted to go to the West Coast so the Yankee fans wouldn't understand the real reason why we weren't in the trade conversations and we weren't in the offseason conversations. It's just because Hal Steinmetter has no interest in participating in this market. Um, you know, and, and I've been angry for years saying that no move should preclude you from completing another move. If you have the type of profits that the Yankees do. So you can come at me. I, I can't, you can't say they don't spend. We've said this a million times. Yeah. They, they spend for Giancarlo Stan. They spent for Garrett Cole, but they only spend once and then blame future moves that never occur on the fact that they already spent two years ago, yeah. which is not what teams do. The, the Mets tried to buy Trevor Bauer last offseason. The Mets spent $341 million on Francisco Lindor last offseason. They were very active. None of these things worked. They lost a ton of war to injuries. They still have – there is a toxic pipeline in that organization. I don't like Steve Cohen, and I don't think he's a good man and a good-hearted, kind soul. But last offseason, he spent a ton of money on Francisco Lindor – reset the shortstop market entirely through the Seager and Correa conversations off this year. Maybe story too. I don't know, but that is a boatload of money and it's not out of character for how Steinbrenner to also spend 340 ish million dollars. He spent it on Garrett Cole. He's, he's eating a lot of Giancarlo Stanton's money, but if he had done that Lindor deal, he wouldn't be doing Scherzer this off season. He yeah. would be saying, you can't say I don't spend. I just spent, I just got Lindor. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Steve Cohen has no restrictions. Uh, last year was kind of embarrassing for him. He got tricked into the Lindor thing, and that was the only big money expenditure. And it was easy to be like, oh, what happened? Big Stevie said he was going to make big moves, and he didn't. <laughs> and then this offseason got smacked in the face by Steven Matz, of all people, and then came back and made four, two midsize moves, a luxury acquisition in Starling Marte, and then a monster move in Max Scherzer. Payroll is now $265 million. The Yankees is like 212 or 214 or something mm-hmm. just below the luxury tax of 215. We got to get above it. We got to make moves. Uh, and the issue with the Yankees is that there are legitimate holes. The Mets yeah. have a rotation hole. They put Max Scherzer in it. The Yankees have a shortstop hole. They're not going, they currently aren't going to put somebody in it. Now, this can age very poorly. They sure. can accidentally sign Trevor's story by the end of the day. And we love Anthony Volpe. I hope he's a shortstop. We just don't know. My ideal scenario 
is still two years of story or three years of story. I love the idea of a huge short-term contract for somebody to button up that hole and then hope you can toss it off to the prospects. But that's what a Scherzer deal was. And not only did they not finish it, they weren't in the final four. The Angels were ahead of them. The Giants were ahead of them. They weren't even in the conversation. And we'd heard they all the ownership must be so happy. They got fans to parrot the idea that he didn't want to come here. So you had fans defending ownership and going, don't you remember? He said no to us and trade. No trade. Max Scherzer said no. He agreed to come to the what I'm told is the more toxic organization. The Mets don't have a manager. The Mets have an owner who's been, you know, locked in a bunch of financial crimes. The Mets hired a GM who drank, drove drunk last year. The Mets just hired a new GM who ran an opioid ring in Anaheim. There's a lot of rot there. And Max Scherzer saw the money and said, not enough rot to dissuade me from taking the money. Do people view the Yankees? Is there something we don't know about how people view the Yankees? Are they more rotten than we think? That's what I'm saying. They're, they're both poor and there's something wrong with the organization at this juncture. Yeah, no, that's that was my first thought. So I'm sitting here and it's one of two things. It's either players don't really want to come to the because you look at the Yankees. The Yankees are they they have a, a solid they're not great. They they haven't they haven't done anything of note aside from get to the ALCS in 2017 in a long time. Um they constantly get punked by their rivals. The media here is unforgiving. I understand that the Mets are in the New York market too, but it's not the same. It's the Yankee. It's the Yankees run the show. The Mets are there for, you know, the back page jokes as well. Um, but it's Garrett Cole on the back page when he has a bad start. It's Giancarlo Stanton on the back page when he strikes out three times. We've seen it. We've seen it. How many, how many times over the last couple of years? So um and then you look at, you know, just kind of the way the Yankees do things. It's a little bit rigid. It doesn't feel like it's, it's as welcoming. Um, you look at a, a manager like Aaron Boone, do, do players want to pl- do, do big time free agents want to come and play for him? I, I don't know. Do they want, do they want a, a guy who maybe seemingly has a better handle on the locker room? I have no idea. So that's one thing. So th- that's my first worry okay, maybe players don't want to come to the Yankees anymore. Can't use the pinstripes as the allure any, any longer. Can't be, oh, well, you're like, it's like, you know, it's like working in sports media. You get your first jobs in sports media and it's like, dude, yeah, no, you'll come, you'll come here. You'll work for work for nothing, but you know, you're, you're working in sports media. You're doing what you love. You're representing, you know, you're representing yourself from this company. And it's like, but why do like, why do I care who um who's representing me or whatever. Like, I, I just want, like, you know, I want to get paid for what I do. Um, so the Yankees, yes, the, coming to the Yankees is a privilege in a sense, but I mean, being a professional baseball player is a privilege playing in a big market in general is a privilege. So I don't think the Yankees have the leg up anymore that they think that they do. Um, and it's clear that they don't really think that because if they're not mentioned in the Scherzer rumors at all, then they're not going for these types of deals anymore. It's clear that they want to do things their own way, or they still think they can um, they can build effectively with their homegrown players, which they have done in a sense. But you look around the league, and no team is successful with just homegrown players. They supplement that with big time free agent signings or big time moves. The Astros did it with Verlander and Granke and Cole, um, among other relief acquisitions. So. Those are the two things that worry me. It's either players are kind of souring on the Yankees and don't really care anymore. You look at the stuff that comes out here, like 
Garrett Cole not, you know, not being receptive to jokes in the locker room, if that's true. Um, I mean, his, you, you look at every Yankees interview after the game and it's embarrassing. So like, maybe that's another thing players don't want to be a part of. They won't, don't want to be a part of this like machine that kind of chews you up and spits you out. And you have a script to talk by after every, after every game when you're being interviewed. Um, so it's either they don't want to come here or the Yankees just aren't making these types of deals anymore. And if they're not making these types of deals anymore, then they're not really differentiating themselves from the rest of MLB. And that's a problem. We laughed last week when we saw somebody say that Seager will go to the Dodgers at the highest bidder or the Yankees at their price or yeah. something. And it's like, okay. nobody cares. Like and if our price isn't competitive, then nobody cares about the Yankees price. And if the Yankees strategy is really like, well, let's cross our legs and sit back and wait and see if any yeah. of the top guys come back to us at a price we invented. Like that nobody's, no outsider who's never been in the organization is giving the Yankees a $40 million discount. Um, occasionally you have to over, overpay for talent. You just do. Um, I understand there is a risk to the Max Scherzer deal. I understand he had a dead arm in the 2021 playoffs. I'd much rather bet on Max Scherzer being effective and valuable moving forward than bet against it. And even if he's not effective, I need an owner who's willing to make a splash like this and is willing to eat the cost. If Max Scherzer's mm-hmm. dead arm ends up being more than we've heard about, and he's a thirty, he's a forty million dollar mistake for the next three years. Oh well, I'm very sorry that you lost your forty million. Somebody tweeted a picture of a terrible looking statue earlier today and said Steve Cohen spent one point six four million dollars on this statue once. He doesn't care about the price. And then someone quote tweeted the terrible statue and said it looked like Andrelton Simmons, which it kind of did and may in fact go for the same price as Andrelton Simmons on the free agent market this year. Um, but that is the kind of owner that you have to be. If you want to be beloved, you have to, you ha- you can't be taking unrealistic, unrepentant, unhelpful giant swings. You can't build a roster out of dinosaurs. No. You can't neglect player development, but a good and beloved owner has to have the money, be willing to spend the money when is necessary, and be willing to absorb financial failures as well. It's very important. You can't be so risk-averse that you're not willing to drop $40 million on Max Scherzer. This isn't a crazy risk. No. It's a good amount of money for a very short amount of time. Uh, uh, and Any team could match this, and only the Mets did match it. The Dodgers, I don't know why they hung back. Maybe Max Scherzer really did prefer the East Coast. Maybe Max Scherzer's tastes change every couple of months. Maybe he did not enjoy being in, in the California air that much. Doesn't want to experience an LA summer. I, I don't know. All I know is that the Dodgers could have made this deal. The Giants could have made this deal. The Yankees could have made this deal. And the Mets have somebody willing to make this deal. So uh, it's a level of embarrassing, a, a further level of embarrassing for us to not even be in this final four conversation. Yeah. I don't know who's feeding Jim Bowden the information about that the Yankees could swoop in for Seager. I really don't think that the Yankees don't, the Yankees operate in secret, but they don't swoop. Yeah. If the Yankees just absolutely imagine hearing the Yankees at the 11th hour, just a uh, doink. We signed Corey Seager after completely no. not being a part of the proceedings up until this point, I would be stunned. It would be absolutely shocking if that happened. Um, yeah, Heyman's still tweeting about the Dodgers and Seager. Somebody is obviously telling him to drum up competition between the Dodgers and Rangers for Seager. He's not saying anything, but that could obviously drop relatively soon yeah. because today's Monday and tomorrow's Tuesday, and that's it. So it's mm-hmm. it's no great innovation saying these things could drop relatively soon. Let's talk about Gary Sanchez um, mm-hmm. before we get out. Just obviously everything is in flux. Uh, the Yankees have to be. The Yankees might not be doing something. I don't know. I, I'm no longer going to say they have to be doing something. 
that's one sentence that's been taken out of my vocabulary. Uh, I'm I'm as sick as anybody of reading the tweet. I mean, maybe y'all are not sick, but I'm extremely sick of reading the tweets that are like, it's so silent today. Brian Cashman is obviously on the prowl. It's like, perhaps not, though. Maybe he just is not doing shit. Like, we, we have to acknowledge the possibility that maybe he's just not doing shit. Um, I think I'm, I'm done... I'm just done reading those from just like 22 year olds. Cashman always moves in silence. That must mean something's going, or it could mean absolutely jack shit. He's not doing anything. And he's very, yeah, he's not being authorized to spend money. He's being outbid by everybody. That could also mean that, which isn't necessarily his fault. But again, I'm just, I'm done reading that insight from everybody. Ooh, Cashman works in silence. Uh, Or Cashman also sleeps in silence. Cashman does everything in silence. But, if he's working on a move today, very well could have to do with Gary Sanchez, uh, who is going to come up against the non-tender deadline tomorrow, is still a candidate to get non-tendered, probably more so than last year. Yanks gave him an extra chance, ended up below average with the bat again, and obviously below average with the glove, and he's owed even more money this year in his final year of arbitration. Either they non-tender him and lose him for nothing, or they make a trade today. We have heard, we've heard Gary Sanchez be bandied about a little bit lately. Yeah. Um, we we've heard uh, the Marlins are interested. He could be a piece of a Marlins trade. Uh, that's a possibility. I've heard Marlins pitching for Gary Sanchez and prospects. Interesting. Uh, the head man in Miami's familiar. I think some of you know who he is. Mm, yeah. um, he's certainly a guy who we've dealt with in the past. Um, uh, we've also heard the Mets. I'm seeing Billy at Mike Puma says Billy Epler's had interest in Gary Sanchez in the past. They could engage the Yankees in trade. Uh, interesting interesting dh backup catcher type of guy anywhere you can get gary off his feet get him out of the squat i'm automatically more interested but i'm currently not very interested in gary sanchez and everything we're seeing here says that these rumors are contingent on the yankees and pirates working something out for jacob stallings so that's the sequence of moves people are talking about most of those are not coming from trusted insiders that's just people connecting the dots that's just people going stall there are like three catchers available so people saying the yankees and stallings is about as ingenious as an insider saying, you know, the Dodgers need to be in on Corey Seager. Like it's, yeah. it's as simple and elementary as it gets. Uh, and so I can't comment on that other than there's an obvious fit. I have seen Yankees and Marlins Sanchez buzz and Mike Puma did connect the Mets and Sanchez. Uh, if something's going to happen today or tomorrow is the day. Uh, do you foresee something actually going down there after many years of being teased with this? See, now this would piss me off. This, this would be the thing that if they spend all their energy trying to trade Gary Sanchez in the final year of his team control, instead yep. of just non-tendering him and focusing on other free agents that could bring immense value, then I don't know what this team is doing anymore. Um, so I don't know what he would be a part of with the Marlins. They just signed Pablo Lopez to a five-year extension, like less than $60 million. So I don't know how that would be because I keep seeing, oh, Yankees like Lopez. Yeah, I mean, I like Lopez too. Me too. I I like a lot of things, but I also don't have shit. So, I mean, it's just kind of how it works. I don't know Gary Sanchez being a part of a Pablo Lopez deal. If How many prospects do the Yankees have to include there too? Um, because Gary's about to be a free agent and Pablo Lopez is now under team control for the next half decade. Uh, I don't know what, I don't know what a deal would look like. I don't know because Gary's making over, he'll be making over $8 million this year. If the arbitration case goes in his favor, that's a lot of money. So I really, I really just don't know if I were to put, if I were to put my finger on anything here, it's, it's an Olsen trade. 
um, and Luke Voigt will be gone. Um, and they're maybe going to use this Aaron Hicks leverage of him performing in the uh, Dominican Winter League. He's got a couple of oh home runs God. and some nice catches. Oh, my God. Just to find somebody. Just to find somebody, and they're going to eat part of his contract. I don't think Remember, if they're... Yeah. Remember uh, last year, though, when we did Gary in the Winter League, and everybody yeah. was like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Then he actually was pretty bad. Well, yeah. Aaron Hicks in the Winter League truly <laughs> does not matter. Well, no, it doesn't matter. So the argument with Gary last year is that if you perform well in the Dominican Winter League, it's fine. If you perform bad in the Dominican winter league, then it's like, okay, what's going on. So Aaron Hicks is doing what he has to do right now to have teams be like, okay, he's not completely broken. So maybe we can consider, you know, maybe having the Yankees eat 40% of this contract. And then, you know, we can get a switch hitting outfielder who could play multiple positions. And that'll be the case through what he signed through 2025. I can't um, tell you how sick I already am, though, of seeing an Aaron Hicks highlight come on my my feed, and the caption is like yes. Aaron Hicks three run double, and I'm like, okay, I'm at least yeah. a little bit intrigued, and then I click it, and it's a bloop. It's yep. gonna bloop every time. Please cap, please put in parentheses when you do this. P.S. It is a bloop. You will. Hate- <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's better than Gary's performance last year in the Dominican Winter League. I think we can all, we can, he, he OPS yeah. like low 700s there. So not encouraging at all. Those are the things that, cause that's the reason they're making him play winter ball to see if he can, I guess, do anything. Um, and nobody, <laughs> nobody else is really tradable on this team unless you want to surrender actual assets. And the Yankees don't have, they're clearly not aggressively going after enough free agents to replace a Gio Rochella at third base to replace a Luke Voigt at first base, even though the Matt Olson trade seems like the most realistic thing. Hey, if they trade for Matt Olson and Sean Manaya or Chris Bassett or Frankie Montas, then we're talking about a completely different offseason and we can eat our words. But it is bothersome that they're not involved in some of these guys. It is bothersome that a Gary Sanchez trade is now taking center stage in an offseason where there are so many other needs, where at this point it's like, You've rolled the dice with Gary for five years, dude. You're really just, you're going to bail on the sixth year and that's going to be the focus of your off season. Just see, like I, like I said, we talked about it a million times. Could have traded him in 2019. Could have traded him before 2020. Could have done a lot of things. You didn't do it. You kept him and he did not, he did not do exactly what you had wanted him to do, but he's still solid. He's still fine. The, the lack, the lackadaisical stuff and the drop pop-ups and the pass balls. Okay. If you can supplement other positions, that will be ignored a little bit more, but the Yankees didn't do that. So that's why Gary's miscues took center stage. Um, And one more thing about kind of looking at this payroll and kind of defending the Yankees. Nobody, like you said, we're not saying they're cheap. The payroll is over $200 million. That's great. But the payroll hasn't oscillated further enough in the direction it should based on team revenue. And I saw Sweeney Murty tweet today about, oh, like the Yankees have a hundred million dollars committed to 2025. Like this team is not cheap. And it's like, no one's saying that, but you're also looking at, you know, a hundred million dollars definitely being devalued in four, three or four years. And you're looking at Stanton and Cole eating up almost 70 million of that money. And the Yankees did that to themselves. Nobody asked them to trade for Giancarlo Stanton and inherit the largest contract in North American sports at the time. No one asked them to outbid themselves 80 million for Garrett Cole. So like, not really my problem. You have an entire other roster to deal with. And if you're looking down, if you're looking down the road to 2025 and being like, look, dude, they got, they got Hicks, they got DJ, they got, they got Cole and they got Stanton on the books. It's like, yeah, you need players on the books at some point. And it's also not my problem. You gave 
Garakola nine-year contract and inherited Stanton's 13-year deal. Will they both work out the long term? Uh, maybe. I mean, it was. It's largely been good over the last year and a half, um, but it hasn't been enough. So you spent money on things that aren't enough, and now it's time to spend more money on things that are going to help supplement that. So I don't care what the payroll is in two, three, or four years. The, you reset the tax to get in your to get yourself in a more comfortable financial position to waste money now. So waste it on short term deals now, because what are you doing with Aaron Judge? We're still waiting on that. So if you're keeping Aaron Judge, then you got to spend in the short term to help that. If you're not keeping Aaron Judge and you have to spend in the long term to supplement his loss. So it seems like there's just a complete lack of direction or a lack of vision here. More so confusion than anything and financial scrambling, which would make the Yankees no longer the Yankees. And I'd be confident in saying that if nothing gets done before December 1st. It's important to note again that they've done nothing it's not that they've done some moves we weren't interested in yeah. or they try or even that they did what they've done in previous off seasons where they try to outsmart the world and pay for Corey Kluber's comeback and trade for James and Tyone when there were safer options available and ditch Michael Brantley and Charlie Morton on the free agent market. They've done nothing, nothing. They knocked guys off their roster because they had to leading to the 40 man. Mm-hmm. They got rid of Clint Frazier. Tyler Wade was a surprise, and they got rid of Ruben Odor because they had to protect prospects. Outside of the things they had to do by not a self-imposed deadline, a real, true, hard and fast deadline for 40-man roster protection, outside of the things they must do, they've done nothing. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing. They lost their own guys. They added no one. Their shortstop is no one. Jamison Tyone is rehabbing. They don't have a number two starter. Their center fielder hasn't played baseball in a year. Their catcher is either going to be the opening day starter or non-tendered tomorrow. They've done nothing. They have holes at catcher short on the mound in center field. That's why we're frustrated. We're not frustrated because they didn't sign Max Scherzer specifically. We're not frustrated because they're falling behind in the Corey Seager chase. And yes, there are stats where you you, you can look and Corey Seager doesn't pull as much as he should as a lefty. And Corey Seager's defense is average and they need better than average. And we there are reasons to stay away from everybody. But there are going to be reasons to stay away from every elite talent for the rest of time. And the Yankees are too scared of compounding the cost they've already made to take the plunge on any one of these guys because they're seeing the negatives. They're seeing the negatives on Seager. They're seeing the negatives on Scherzer and the dead arm. They are not able to look past the fact that they're adding another payroll commitment instead of looking at the payroll and going, every payroll commitment begats a new payroll commitment. If you sign Garrett Cole and don't do anything else around him, you're wasting his prime. The use of money on Garrett Cole was not a smart and prudent financial decision. They got under the tax. Now, Andrelton Simmons was connected to the Yankees for the first time in real life on Monday, just before we leave. Sickening. Then then the rumors came out that they're eyeing him as a backup shortstop or depth piece, a la Andrew Velasquez. In what world are you looking at the backup before you look at the starter? Think about (laughs) words. You're, You're getting a backup plan before you finish before you find the guy who's playing the position again, if that's what you're doing, start Peraza, start Volpe. Yeah. You're signing a backup plan without a starter. That's that should be the end of the Yankees regime. (laughs) Truly, truly should be. I don't know. That makes that, that at least makes it seem like they might be in on, on a shortstop who's better than Simmons, which is, which is encouraging. 
Um, but yeah, at that point, start one of the young guys and then have an emergency backup if he flops and whatever. But uh, I think we need to talk about one more quick thing before we go is Corey mm. Kluber joining the Rays. Mm. Uh, and <clears throat> that happened yesterday, right? Yep. Um, Sunday afternoon. So yeah, so expect four or five starts against the Yankees next year with a low two ERA. Um, see, you and I disagreed on this, but I thought if Corey, if Corey Kluber got 11 million from the Yankees last year and pitched 36 and two thirds innings in the two previous seasons combined, and then he's getting 8 million from the Rays with incentives that could bump it up to 14 million. If he were to make starts one of two things here, how did the Yankees end up paying more money for less of a sure thing? Because they, they essentially took his rehab year for his first season back after two years lost and said, here's $11 million. Uh, you're going to hopefully be a postseason starter for us in the ALCS. Great. Okay. But you don't, you, don't, you don't spend money like that anymore. So you restricted the amount you could spend by giving him that money. And then he goes out and he shows, hey, Corey Kluber, not an ace anymore, but good depth piece. Good number, maybe a number three for you if he gets back on track. So now the Rays are going to benefit from a price reduction, uh, a price reduction in Kluber's um, uh, free agent uh, signing, and they're going to get him probably pitching to his maximum abilities after he was utilized for 16 starts with the Yankees in his first year back after two years of hardly pitching. So once again here. Don't know why this wasn't a two-year deal for Kluber, just like how we were talking about how why don't you go two years for Verlander because you're not going to get out of him what you need from start to finish in the first year when it's these types of injuries. So I I, I got to just chalk all of this up. We're talking about shortstops. We're talking about Scherzer. We're talking about Gary Sanchez. Now we're talking about Corey Kluber. It's bad business. It's bad decision-making. It's lack of pri- It's a lack of clear priorities. And I think that that's what's happening at this point, because I don't know what the other explanation is, is the other explanation. They're hiding behind a bunch of other candidates. Maybe they have three trades lined up and they're going after uh, one of the ace pitchers, plus Olsen, plus Luis Castillo, plus um, someone from the mall. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I'll tell you right now. I do not think that that's the case, but that 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 that's why it leads me to believe that I don't think anybody really knows what they're doing or knows what the plan for 2022 and 2023 are because it seems like they're just like oh you know we're saddled with Colin Stanton's contract so you know we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes I guess like at this point you should have figured out where DJ LeMahieu was playing next year on a full time basis you've now had two months to do that almost um, figure out Aaron Hicks's role maybe bake him into a fourth outfielder because he's not going to be an everyday starting center fielder. Um, and then you look at next year after that, you should have a good idea with your bullpen and rotation. Chapman's gone. Britain's gone. He's gone this year. So you don't even have to worry about him. Then, uh, Severino's got a team option. Tyone's gone. Chad green's gone. So how is there no, there's no supplementation to even take care of who's going to be lost after next year. So I don't know what they're doing. I, they seem confused. They really seem confused. The only reason we slightly differed on the Kluber thing is just because yeah. I was surprised he got, um, you know, I'm not surprised he 
didn't approach $11 million. You're right. It's bad business. I don't know why the Yankees paid him so much yes. money as an unproven quantity. Mm-hmm. He definitely did $8 million worth of work maximum last year. He yes. under four ERA most of the time, though. The starts are four innings, three earned runs, mm-hmm. and he barely pitched. He was hurt almost the whole year. If the Rays turned him into something, I would not be stunned. The Yankees turned him into something for three weeks, but then he got hurt. So I have a hard time believing he's going to last through the year. But while he's active and alive, I'm sure he'll make life difficult for us. Um, the other one, I just I, like, I understand why he got a demotion. I don't understand why Michael Waka got a huge raise. All he did last year was suck against the entire world and kick the Yankees ass. So of course he went to the Red Sox because that's probably what the Red Sox look for is a top line item on a resume. Did you suck last year? Yes. No. Although you sucked, did you destroy the Yankees when given the chance? Yes. No. Okay, great. You sound like you suck, but we're going to sign you. The only optimistic reading left is that there will be a lot of scrambling after the lockout is over. There might be free agent bargains afoot because players need teams and spring training will be shorter than ever, or it might even be time for the regular season and everything might be affected adversely. That's the positive reading. The negative reading, it sure looks like a lot of talent's going to be off the board before the lockout. The Mm -hmm. shortstops might all be gone. Max Scherzer's gone. Justin Verlander's gone. So while there will be talent remaining, undoubtedly, looking for a new home, desperately scrambling, the Yankees needed top-line talent, at least one, at least a shortstop, a a top outfield upgrade, at least one piece of top-line shopping, and it's looking increasingly likely they're not going to do that. That is it for this Frustration Monday edition of the Yankees Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer that and go live with us on YouTube and Twitter Mondays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. You can also find us at YanksGoYard.com. A lot of content there for you. You can also talk to us on the official YanksGoYard Twitter account at YanksGoYardFS. Thursday is the next time we'll talk to you. We'll be live on YouTube at 2 p.m. We'll have this recording done for you shortly after, but hopefully at that point we're talking about a move. That helps in any capacity. So until then, everyone, uh, try to enjoy the next couple days and uh, say a prayer for the Yankees because they need something. If we're not talking about a move on Thursday... Something has gone disastrously wrong. And if we're not talking about a move on Thursday, we're not talking about a move for months. So let's get a move on. See you then. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about.
As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.